Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Caroline. And I'm Anna. And this is Seriously, the pop culture podcast from the New Statesman. Welcome back to a very special episode of Seriously. We're older. It's the first birthday. Isn't that so exciting? We've been doing Seriously for a whole year. It really doesn't feel like that at all. No, not at all. I can't believe that when we started doing this, it's not that I didn't think we'd do a year, but I'm surprised how quickly it's gone and that it's just been like equally fun the whole time. Yeah, that's true. I haven't ever really had a kind of podcasty slump. No, I mean, sometimes we come into the room and we're like, Okay, (laughs) gotta try and be smart today. This is gonna be a challenge. But we love the fact that we've been able to watch and read and listen to a lot more pop culture things over the past year. Yeah, I really love what it's done for my consumption of culture, really, and how, like, embedded it's become in my life. I think maybe that's why it hasn't felt like such a chore. Yeah. Because it's just nice to have something that forces you to go to the cinema regularly and stuff. Exactly, it just becomes this, like pop culture routine which is really fun and it means that i get to like force my boyfriend and my friends into like joining in with my nerdy culture habits it also makes me feel really really smart when people ask me whether they should see a film or read a book because by and large if it's been released recently i know whether they should or not yeah you're able to tell them something i had a great time when i was in new york back in may elizabeth minkle who was on the podcast her mum sent her a text saying which of these three films should we watch tonight and she was just like caroline <laughs> oh, that's so and good. I was able to give her mum excellent guidance. They watched Brooklyn and really enjoyed it. Oh, there we go. One of our most popular films, I think. Yeah, the, definitely. Think, yeah. So yeah, there's been highs, there's been lows. What have you learned the most about podcasting over the past year? To always talk directly into the microphone. Yeah, that is like, <laughs> sounds so basic, but a lot of people don't know how to do that, turns out. <laughs> yeah, and you also shouldn't kick the table or tap or yeah. do stuff like that. Yeah, so that also, I've learned how to edit audio, which I didn't know how to do before. You taught me how to do that. Yeah, that's really fun. It's been a learning curve for both of us. I think I've learned not to worry too much about the words coming out of my mouth and if I just relax into it a bit then I can actually say proper sentences and like have opinions on things. When we started I felt very much like everything I said was going to be like preserved forever so it was like you know had to make sure not to say anything wrong. One of the joys of this is seriously is very similar to our just like real life conversations yeah real life (laughs) just from upstairs to downstairs 
Definitely the worst thing about the last year was that period where we were doing this really, really early on Monday mornings. Yeah, I don't know why we thought that was a good idea. I don't know. We persisted with it far longer than rationality would suggest we should have done. (laughs) So yeah, that's the backstage goss, listeners. We used to come in like at eight ish when our jobs don't really require us to come in till just before 10 yeah uh and like try and record it then and we just like sounded like naked mole rats who've just been born it was it was dreadful i actually once threw up on the train on the way in out of exhaustion <laughs> out of a mixture of exhaustion and overheating yeah, it was hot wasn't it, it was really hot and i was wearing a coat and the train was really full and i felt really ill and i had to get off and a nice station employee had to bring me water Aww. so yeah that was a really bad low point in mm. the making of the podcast well you know there's been peaks and troughs in this there wonderful have. experience one of the best things overwhelmingly though has been having listeners oh my god again that sounds so basic that you know if you're going to start a podcast you assume people will listen to it but i'd never really thought about it until i did it that people don't have to listen to your podcast they really could listen to other podcasts and more than that they don't have to like email in to you or tweet you or like any of the other wonderful things our listeners have done so thanks so much everyone it's just i it's just been the best i really really didn't expect there to be such a good like listener reaction but you're all our faves Shout out to Alice Eyre as well, who's, been, who's a long-time listener, who actually emailed us to remind us that it was our birthday, which was very sweet. <laughs> yes, that was excellent. I'm really glad that you are more organised than we are. <laughs> so what about culture-wise, Caroline? What are your favourite things that we've read or watched or heard or tasted this past year been? I've had lots of great experiences doing this. That sounds really cheesy, but it is true. Lots of things that I've tried for the first time that I wouldn't have tried, either because you said I should or because a listener said I should or because we decided that's what we were doing that week. Mm -hmm. I can imagine myself maybe not even going to see Room if we hadn't been doing it for the podcast because I hadn't read the book. Yeah. And, you know, Brie Larson wasn't an actress I was particularly into or anything. And that was completely incredible. But I think my absolute favourite from this year has been Alison Bechtel's Fun Home. That is such a good shout. Yeah, because although that's been out for a while, hasn't it? But it was new to us this year. And it was just super, super cool. The title comes from the fact that she grew up around a funeral home, right? Yeah, and that was the family nickname for it, was the Fun Home. The Fun Home, because her dad is basically an undertaker. Mm. And it's about her childhood, her relationship with her father, her leaving to go to university and sort of discovering her queer identity and all those things kind of mixed in together, along with a lot of kind of meta stuff about the reading she was doing at the time Mm. and comparisons to other literature that were involved in her life at the time. So that's quite a rambling description of it, but I hope that's that's fairly accurate. And that last thing you mentioned about the sort of literary allusions and references in it was the biggest revelation to me, actually. I think, ashamedly, I'd not really ever thought that a graphic novel could be so explicitly literary. Mm, It definitely Um, is literary. It really is. Like, there's whole page-long digressions about the Henry James play that her mother was in at university and how this bears upon the, like, dynamic that her parents have. And, you know, it's it's very, as you say, meta and very kind of layered like that yeah i mean graphic novels generally are quite new to me in the sense it's only in the last couple of years that i've been bothering to pick them up and take them seriously and stuff seriously is the is the way that i started reading graphic novels so a huge thanks to the podcast for that and we had a great little bit going for a few weeks where because we'd done persepolis 
and Fun Home, lots of people were recommending us other memoir-style graphic novels. Like, for instance, I really want to go and read some of Alison Bechdel's other stuff, which mm-hmm. I have not done yet. And actually, someone sent us a really comprehensive list, didn't they? They linked us to a list of, like, the 50 best graphic, graphic novel novels, memoirs. Yeah, like, you know. coming-of-age teen. Exactly, graphic, yeah. yeah. So I'm picking that because I feel like that's a whole avenue of culture that has opened up to me because of the podcast. And the listener recommendations in general have just been so good. And it's so funny to, like get a recommendation from someone that you've never even met and be like oh my god that's like spot on me that is exactly the kind of thing i would love to see so that's been amazing i think we've had some like general podcast favorites of the year that's definitely true and if you've been listening to the podcast for more than 30 seconds you probably know what i'm about to say Mm. which is detectorists detectorists has been just the great one of the great discoveries it's so weird to think that like a tv program about metal detecting in the essex countryside has been like our favorite of the year but it just has it just has detectorists which is so weird a, a sort of like lovely gentle sitcom about some nice people who like to go metal detecting in the countryside anything fuck all tell you about the beautiful old battle axe I once found. Yeah, you I married her. her. I'd done that one for you before. Sorry to interrupt, but are you metal detectors? This is a metal detector. We are metal detectorists. You're going to discover the Valley of the Kings in Essex. It is, I didn't realise this, it's written and directed by Mackenzie Crook. It doesn't surprise me at all. It's, yeah, it's so perfect. It's but... very much his vibe. The humour really comes out of the fact that, like, they both know that it's a bit geeky what they're doing. Uh, like, Andy's wife kind of rolls her eyes at it, but obviously doesn't really mind. All the people in the club are a little bit idiosyncratic and, and odd, but they're all very lovable, aren't they're they? They're very lovable and they're very, they're very sort of loving with each other as mm. well. That's the other thing that I Quite really supportive. like. Very supportive. Also, it's so brilliantly written. It always, every sort of little bit of dialogue you you get two or three laughs and then you think okay the end of the scene is coming and then you get you get basically it carries on for two more exchanges both of which are absolutely hilarious yeah and in a less good thing you wouldn't get those last two exchanges but yeah. just every scene he pushes it to its absolute potential it's brilliant and there's lots there everything's quite subtly linked mm. back isn't it so it's one of those things where the joke be- comes in because like three lines into the dialogue down they're referencing something yeah. like four di- you know four lines earlier like they're, they're it's and, very sort of self-referential of so like one of my absolute favorite bits and this is not a spoiler although it is in the last episode is where so andy comes to see his wife's a teacher and she's i think it's a saturday and she's like working at the school fate and the school fate is all victorian so all of the teachers are like dressed up so she's dressed up as like a kind of victorian flower seller and obviously he's not dressed up and he's come to like tell her something urgently so he's standing outside the school and he rings her on his phone being like can you come out I need to talk to you first she's like oh just come in just come in and then he goes I can't I'm in modern day dress everyone would stare at me (laughs) and just that is so funny like that says so much about his characters like he doesn't want to ruin anything for anybody but also he doesn't want to be humiliated (laughs) so that I just laughed for hours I mean the Christmas special they did that we did on the our Mm. Christmas special was outstanding 
And, you know, they, they put the first series up on Netflix recently and I rewatched it for the first time in a few months. And still as good? Still as good. And I'm still noticing things about, you know, how it's shot and how they're using like the really wide camera angles to show you the kind of horizon. I'm still noticing things about mm. it that are just so clever. It's just so great. Another podcast favourite has to be Magic Mike XXL, right? Yes. That was maybe our second episode ever. Yeah, that was the second one. We had June was on to talk about Rihanna. Yeah, we talked about the bitch better have my money video. And then we did Magic Mike. Yeah, which was just a super fun way to get into the whole thing because everyone who hasn't seen Magic Mike XXL, you don't know what you're missing out on. You've got to go and check it out. But we've probably recommended it about 50 times. And now we're going to talk about Magic Mike XXL, which we both (laughs) went to see this weekend. And... Spoiler alert, we both thought was fantastic. <laughs> we loved it. It was so good. It was just like everyone in the cinema was so excited. It was just a really like feel good, delightful, joyful experience. And we should say, so if you, I think neither of us actually saw the first Magic Mike film. No. <laughs> if, if somehow you've managed to escape views of Channing Tatum's rippling torso on the sides of buses uh, in the last few weeks, Magic Mike and its follow-up, which is the film we saw this weekend, is the story of Mike, who is a so a male entertainer is yeah. the, the phrase they use in the film. He's essentially a stripper and a dancer uh, with a, with the dream of owning his own furniture company. Yeah, in case you already thought that Channing Tatum might be Jesus, he's also a carpenter, so <laughs> he is well on the way. So the story of this film is, so Mike left his sort of dancing crew at the end of the previous film to you know pursue his love of being a carpenter, but in this film he has gone got back with his buddies and they're going on one last ride to the this convention, this big stripping convention. Nice to meet you. Uh, Magic. Magic money. Um, and along the way, they revisit some some old friends. Uh, they meet up with some people from their past. They have various adventures. And then the whole thing culminates in this great big routine that they do at the convention. Yeah, it's one of the best things about it, I think, is that there's not too much boring, like, this isn't a big spoiler, but at the beginning of the film, we realise that Mike's fiancé or would hope, hoped to be fiancé has left him and his furniture business is doing OK, but not brilliantly. Um, but there's not too much sob story. It's just like they don't need much of a reason to want to strip. Apparently in the first film, there's a lot more like, oh, we all can't get lucrative jobs or capitalism is a bad thing. We're all going to have to strip. Whereas in this one, it's just like they love to strip. It- it, it's more. Yeah, it's much more about their sort of sense all of them discovering that there's there's no shame in what they do, that they really love it, and that's okay. I mean, as well as might be a carpenter, one of the other guys, he's got this Froyo truck that he drives around a bit and he makes artisanal frozen yoghurt, which is just inherently hilarious. Various others of them have got other things that they do, but this is them finally accepting that this is what they love and this is what they're great at. And there is actually a Magic Mike update, isn't there, since we last did Oh yeah, did we talk episode? about this ever? I don't know if we did. Well, maybe we did, but if we're repeating ourselves... Magic Mike Live is now a thing and like they set up a website where they're like ladies leave your like deepest desires here and you can like put stuff in boxes and they're going to do like a live version of Magic Mike in Vegas. Which, oh, it's the most Vegas thing ever and Channing Tatum is so invested in doing it well. I hope he's in it. 
as a I performer. Think, I think at the very least he'll like guest star in some of the shows. Right. Surely. I, I, I think if you buy a ticket to Magic Mike and Magic Mike doesn't show up, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to seem a bit shit. Yeah, I'd um, be mad. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be great regardless. So one of my personal favourites from the whole year, and this, it's a cliche, I bet everyone's going to have it in their end of year list, probably at number one, but Lemonade. Mm. Lemonade, just so amazing. And I'm currently like super hyped because, well, by the time this goes out, I will have seen Beyonce in the flesh <gasps> in London on her tour. So I, I'm just like, my thoughts are like, Beyonce, 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 <laughs> Beyonce, Beyonce, Beyonce. I'm still listening to it all the time. Mm, me too. Last night I was like walking through where I live in South London and there was just this guy like with headphones in singing so loudly and so out of tune along to freedom. And I was just like, <laughs> yeah, same, <laughs> strong same. <laughs> A great hit of the year. And I also, I, I really love The Falling I was actually going to say that as well because yeah. that was something you recommended me that I definitely wouldn't have come across mm. without it and I'm still thinking about that film yeah still. and I know a lot of people who hated it I've got a, a good friend who really doesn't like it so I know that it's a it's a film that can divide people so I sort of wanted to shout out to it again because it's quite a small film and not everyone has liked it but for me that was like a really cool film any low lights, Caroline? I think the Victor Frankenstein film that Daniel Radcliffe With was Daniel in. With Daniel Radcliffe? <laughs> yeah. Daniel, Rad- Daniel Radcliffe and Lady Sybil notwithstanding. No. McAvoy plays Victor Frankenstein, a not particularly changed character from the original, a medical student with ideas about creating life from mm-hmm. death. Igor... You and I shall be at the very heart of a scientific enterprise that will change the world. We shall create a life out of death. It's alive. Do you realise how significant this is? Oh, I have an inkling. Although in London, not in... I think it's in Switzerland, the original story, but I can't remember. The total departure then comes in Daniel Radcliffe's character, who starts out as a kind of hunchback clown type person at a local circus and then is sort of rescued by McAvoy you know his deformity turns out to be not permanent um yeah the most actiony moment of draining a cyst ever seen on <laughs> yeah on screen and he just has to wear a back brace for a while to train his muscles to stand up basically upright. James McAvoy quote unquote fixes him by like just shoving a, a draining injectiony thing into his cyst and like then like shoving him against the wall a few times. Yeah, that's... and then he like has no other problems with his back for the entire rest of the film. Yeah, and actually, I thought because to start with, he's still walking really badly as you would for five minutes. But then, certain then the next scene, he's like dressed in a nice suit, like walking down the roads totally straight and you're like yeah. no 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 yeah no. months also, of physiotherapy Frankenst- yeah yeah i know <laughs> also frankenstein doesn't like ask his permission he might be like quite happy the way he is but he's like no i'll fix you that's what you need fixing <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're broken let's fix you so after he's done that daniel radcliffe becomes his sort of roommate and assistant because he's also a, an avid student of anatomy and a sort of amateur physician mm. um and happily adopts the name igor And he's like, I used to have a servant called Igor. You're now Igor. And he's like, okay, I won't question that. Cool. Yeah. So he becomes Igor and together they vivify a lot of internal organs. Yeah. I mean, Daniel Radcliffe sort of goes straight in with the like face of childlike wonder at like being able to have books and stuff. Because basically the backstory of the character is that while he was in the circus, he was like the circus doctor. And Frankenstein discovers him because he like sees him doing an operation without any equipment. 
Uh, and so when he gets like proper academic books and like the chance to actually practice all this stuff, he sort of learned out of, you know, fear and shame in the corner of the circus. He's really, really excited. And I will say a positive point about this film is that Daniel Radcliffe is excellent at acting like enthusiasm and like yes. gullibility as well. Like he's really good at that sort of like naivety, which is probably why he was picked for that like Harry, young Harry Potter role. But and he's still really good at it. You believe yeah. it when he's like all excited by the books. And he's definitely still got that face that Harry used to do when someone did some magic. I know. And it's, it, that's, yeah. that was really pleasing. His best face in the whole film, by the way, at side point, is there's a moment where um, Igor gets some and then he mm. like walks home the next day. And oh, he, like, that's great. <laughs> a real like smug, like, yeah, I boned last night. Weird, weirdest walk of shame. Yeah, it ever. was walk of victory. Walk of victory, though. Yeah, yeah. walk of triumph. <laughs> I would argue mm-hmm. that I've seen an even worse Daniel Radcliffe film this year. Which is Now You See Me Too. You went to see that. <laughs> I went to see Now You See Me Too. Which means that like no one can ever question my status as a Daniel Radcliffe fan ever again. I win. I saw Now You See Me Too. I paid to see it in a cinema in the States. And it was really bad. It was really bad. <laughs> There's nothing else I can say. Have really. you seen The Woman in Black? Uh, yes. Was it worse than that? Yes. Oh, wow. yes. I thought Victor, that was... Victor Frankenstein was worse than the yeah, one okay, like. fair. My worst thing of the year was definitely The Revenant, but I don't think we even talked about it because we hated it so much. Yeah, I didn't even go to see it because you were so, so clear about how terrible it was Yeah, that you said that I shouldn't waste my time or money. Yeah, and then I saw another film just very recently, which was a complete low light, which again, I don't think is even worth doing on Seriously, which was Genius with Colin Firth, which absolutely nobody should go and see. So <laughs> Mostly we've actually made very good choices, I'd say. I think we have too, because... Part of the reason, as we were saying, that we select stuff for this is because we want to watch it anyway. Yeah, and often, and I think it's quite nice that we can be like, that looks bad, let's not do it, or, even if it's really big. Or also, yeah, especially if it's something that like lots of critics are doing, e.g. Mm. The Revenant, mm. it's really nice to have a space, i.e. this podcast, to be able to say, everyone's talking about this, we don't think it's worth it though. Sometimes part of the problem with these like big very masculine movies is not that they're like universally adored but that they're given just like all the coverage and all the time and like we're just not going to waste our time with them so that's something else i've definitely learned this year incidentally is that it is worth taking our time over things Mm -hmm. it's worth not necessarily doing things like the week they come out if we think it's worth like seeing more episodes and you know having a properly thought out opinion and stuff agreed which is why listeners you might not have heard us speak about orange is the new black yet for example it is coming we are working on it rest assured these things are all in the pipeline other things that you might expect from us uh, in the coming year is we want to do some more specials so you enjoyed the harry potter special the love actually special the friends special we have some strong contenders for more specials in the coming weeks but don't forget to email us and stuff if you have like a strongly held opinion over what deserves you know an hour of our time yeah and if you also have a strong preference for a voice you heard on a previous special that you would like to hear talking about something else also let us know bush fans of the world unite etc we should definitely get barbara in as well for in the next few weeks because she's very good and we love to have barbara yes definitely so caroline out of all the many many things that i've recommended you out of the kindness of my heart (laughs) over the past year what have you enjoyed the most my favorite has been the film short term 12 i think that's a great answer 
I recommended that Caroline give Short Term 12 a watch, starring Brie Larson. It's a film about a short-term care home for vulnerable children and young people. Caroline, major thoughts? I absolutely love this film. Did you? I loved it so much that I watched it through once, and then I basically watched it all the way through again, paused and took loads of screen grabs. My whole desktop and my laptop is just covered of screen grabs of this film because I thought it was so beautiful. I'm so glad you agree. It's amazingly well shot isn't it but also it's so, just so, so beautiful so intense and like so, emotional so quietly intense i don't think i've been so moved by a film that is so kind of quiet and low-key for a very long time yeah because i did find it incredibly moving like definitely cried at least once in it and some of the characters in it even just seeing them in the background of another scene made my heart ache (laughs) yeah it's been a really long time since i felt that strongly about a film oh that's so good to hear so basically they link some of the problems that brie larson's character grace is going through with some of the young people in the home I think we we can assume that Grace gets into her job because she's also suffered difficulties as a young person growing up. Her dad, we realise fairly soon in, was abusive. And obviously a lot of the kids that she's looking after, the reason that they're in care is because they've had negligent or abusive parents. Yeah. And it's really heart-wrenching to see her come to sort of realisations through working with these young people, but also to use her own experiences to help them when she can. Yeah, that's the part that I liked most, actually, that she can be both really overwhelmed by her past again, but at the same time, she stays completely functional for the kids, and she uses what she knows and what's happened to her to help them. I'm thinking particularly of her relationship with Mm Jaden, the young girl, who is struggling with her relationship with her dad and with self-harm and anger issues and all this kind of thing. And after a particularly bad outburst, when they're in the, like, cool-down room, which is, like, a room covered in carpet with a really (laughs) annoying yellow inflatable dog in it, which would just make you angrier, she notices that Jaden's, like, digging her thumbnail into her hand Mm. because it's obviously helping her, like relieve some of the stress and she just shows her the scars on her ankle and she's like that's where I used to do it you kind of get to know these kids although it never feels like they're making a huge song and dance about like this is this kid's problem but yeah, you meet the... them all and it touches on all of their sort of individual backgrounds as it's it goes so along so cleverly written because it's not at all expository so for instance Sammy who's quite young I think he's only supposed to be 10 or 11 maybe mm. the main thing you know about him is that he has a lot of dolls and toys that obviously looking after them helps him feel calm and then part way through his therapist or whatever takes them all away because he has to learn to cope without them and you just gradually get to the understanding that sammy had a sister who you assume is dead and that all of these toys belong to her and that that's how he sort of keeps her alive to himself and that so therefore having them all taken away means that she's actually really dead to him and he can't cope with that yeah and there's such a moving bit when one of the people who works there nate he's cleaning and he finds one of the dolls down the back of the sofa so he like cleans it up and just goes and puts it on his bedside table and doesn't say anything but it's just like you're gonna be okay guys yeah and it means so much to him yeah and i think the reason this film is so successful i mean obviously it's so well written and directed so shout out to destin daniel cretton who's the writer and director and it was his first film which i just find absolutely amazing but the cast are so good Mm. and a lot of those kids were brand new to acting just people they found for it and they're all so brilliant but the whole cast i mean john gallagher jr as mason rami malik as nate who's so so brilliant who comes in as the newcomer so 
he's the character that enables sort of the the people who work there to kind of do a lot of the kind of explanation and stuff you need as a viewer and to like introduce you to some of the characters and he introduces himself to this group of like <laughs> kids saying that he's always wanted to work with underprivileged children and then this amazing character Marcus who's like nearly 18 and he's nearly about to leave he's just like what 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 the fuck are you saying like <laughs> say it again like and you, you, this poor guy this new guy's just like oh my god what have i said uh, i've watched it three times really all together it wasn't that long ago that we did it no it was I like know. a month ago or something right uh maybe two months maybe but... two yeah so i've probably watched it once every three weeks that's, that's <laughs> really strong i just loved it so much i found it so unbelievably moving and quite depressing but also somehow really uplifting and the music's really good i agree i listen to the soundtrack all the time (laughs) and yeah it's just such a perfect package of emotions that i just want to keep enjoying them my favorite thing that you recommended me is so random because i think probably the best thing about your recommends for me is that a lot of them are things that i just wouldn't have watched if you hadn't recommended well likewise yeah because like I don't know, Agent Carter, I would probably wouldn't have watched. Lolly Willows, I might never have read. Loads of these sort of recommendations are slightly outside my comfort zone, I guess, especially something like As Time Goes By, which just like <laughs> absolutely no way would I have come across that. Yeah, I, I do have really elderly tastes in television. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the things that falls into that for me is Miss Fisher's Mysteries. Mm. Was it, is that what Miss it's Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries. Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries. Yeah, that one. I recommended that Anna watch... Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries, the Mm -hmm. Australian detective series set in the 20s. Anna, what did you make of it? I really enjoyed it. It's a really funny creature, isn't it? It's like quite an unusual show. So as it says on the tin, it's a murder mystery series sort of in the vein of like an Agatha Christie because it's that kind of period and it's that kind of like, you're not the police, but you're getting involved anyway. And Miss Fisher is this sort of young woman who's been living in Melbourne, then gone away to London for like a a bit because of some sort of thing in her past that we don't fully know about at at the point that I'm watching. And then she comes back and she sort of like reintegrates herself with some old friends and straight away starts, you know, murders start happening around her and she just like gets involved. She just seems to be like, yep, I'm going to sort this out. From watching it, I got the feeling that this was made on quite a low budget. I think that's probably true. You can, so I'm now at the end of series two i think there's three series that have been out so far and they're all on netflix you can see they had more money for the second series because they do whole episodes where they like go to other locations and stuff because it seems very much like on a set and like although the costumes are great and fun they're like there's something a bit wrong about them they're like not quite period yeah do you know what i mean they're They're a bit too freshly made aren't they yeah they're they're all very bright and colorful and like silky and they look lovely but i'm a bit like there's something, there's a slight vein of tackiness going on throughout yeah. the whole thing at the same time, which I quite enjoy. <laughs> like, it's all it's all a bit camp. Oh, definitely, And, yeah. like, fun. And I really like that about it. So, it, for me, it kind of falls excellently between that line of being, like, actually good and funny. <laughs> so, it's like, it's, yeah. I'm enjoying watching it. The plot is actually quite fun. But at the same time, it's all a bit cliched and it's a bit like, oh yeah, of course it was that, but of course that person was the murderer and you can like play around with it like that as well. So that's what I'm enjoying so far is that I can both poke fun at it and actually be quite gripped by it at the same time. Yeah, exactly. It's also, I find exactly at the right level for, I'm quite tired, I need to watch something that's just less than an hour. Yeah. It it really 
just hits this, that spot every when time. When you've not got you know the mental I mean? capacity for making a murderer, but you do, yes. you do want something a little bit exciting. Yes, exactly. You can stick on a Miss Fisher's murder mystery. Yeah, and it is great. So she, I think, is brilliant, particularly mm. playing Miss Fisher, and really, I think, ties the whole thing together because she's charismatic enough to, to yeah. like keep it keep it going and sustain the energy and stuff. And I, yeah, I really like all her outfits. As you said, that I had to come back with some favourites. I was paying extra close attention. So I love that the uh, first episode opens with her in like a silk blue sailor outfit. Yes. Which is hilarious. <laughs> Absolutely hilarious, but great. There's a bit where she's wandering everywhere in like a red cloche hat and lipstick. Oh, the and hats coat. are great. The yeah. hats are really great. So she's got like red on the head, red on the lips, red on the body. Yeah. And they're really nice. I liked that. And I also really like she's got this like blue velvet coat with like enormous white fur, fur trim thing, yes. on the on the cuffs and on the lapel, which is amazing. But there's loads. She just looks great all the time. Yeah. Some, it randomly reminded me of, did you ever read Roald Dahl's Revolting Rhymes as yeah. a kid? There's the one about Red Riding Hood and there's a line in it where it's something like, you know, the wolf twitched and then, then the line is, one eyelid flickered, she whipped a pistol from her knickers. Yes. And that's like yeah. so Miss Fisher. She like keeps like pulling daggers from like her, her what's it called? Garter, <laughs> Garter or whatever. Belt, yeah. yeah. And it's like so funny because it's like it's so glam and like violent and I really like that. I have watched a lot of Miss Fisher. <laughs> yes. Bloody love Miss Fisher. <laughs> Which is not something that I would have like sought out and been like, yep, yeah, I'm definitely going to want to binge watch this programme. And yeah, I did. So that's been just great for my general TV watching life. And my boyfriend loves it too. So. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad. Yeah. I, I read a really interesting think piece about this, actually, that Miss Fisher has kind of broken America mm. in in a way that it went up on US Netflix and has been consistently amongst the like the most watched thing on it ever since. And they were trying to analyse like what is it about this like so Australian funny. period drama that Americans really love. Yeah, well, anecdote matches statistics mm. there because that's definitely what happened with me. So all in all, it's just been a great year for Seriously. It has. And I have to say as well, one of my highlights of the year was when we... Got a shout out on Call Your Girlfriend. Oh yeah, that was amazing. That was really great because we've loved them for ages. Gave me warm feelings from my ears to my toes when yeah, I heard that. Uh, oh god, yeah, I kind of didn't believe things like that ever really happened. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was incredible. And yeah, rest assured, listeners, we have no plans to stop doing this anytime soon. And we also have lots of ideas about trying to do more seriously type things. Um some more specials maybe some interviewing people um maybe even one day we'll do like an event people can come to i don't know oh, my god you could see us in the flesh we, we're wearing so headphones and everything <laughs> yeah so that would be great and just we have to reiterate that just all the recommendations have been so great from every listener so please keep them coming in as we roll on to year two of seriously here we go Thanks for listening to Seriously, the pop culture podcast from the New Statesman. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Seriously. All you have to do is search SRSLY in iTunes or any other podcasting app you use. While you're there, it would be really great if you could leave us an iTunes review as it helps other people find the show. We also rely on you listeners for your recommendations. So if you want to tell us what you thought about something or if you've got something we should watch, you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, via email. All the details are on seriouslypodcast.com. If you like, you can also recommend us to your friends, family, neighbours, strangers. Let them know that you like the podcast and they should be listening to it too. 